Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So I am here with a bunch of people on the rebel capitalist team. First and foremost is my less good-looking research assistant. That would be Josh. And he is also joined by green screen Jeff Snyder right behind him. There he is. <laughs> and then down below, we've got Thomas, who is one of my main editors. He's been with us, boy, for a long, long time. Thomas actually worked on our TV show before yeah. we even had a YouTube channel. And Thomas, although it doesn't sound like it, he is from born and raised in Colombia, but he spent some time in England, which is why he doesn't have as strong of an accent. Then we've got Adriana down there, who most of you know is my research, or not my research assistant, excuse me, just my overall assistant. She pretty much manages my entire private life. And I wanted to bring them onto the channel to discuss a commodity super cycle. Well, why? You guys know today I've been doing a few videos where I wanted to take the macro and turn it into something that was a little more practical using actual real life stories. So we could see how something like the inversion of the real, the yield curve, or like we did that one video on Airbnb, we could see how these stimulus checks or excess savings were actually playing out in real life, right? And so one of the pushbacks that you hear against commodities, and I'm just fast forwarding over the next 10 years, forget the inversion of the curve, forget the recession. You know, I would assume if I had to place some bets here, the probability is high that commodity prices will come down, assuming the yield curve is correct. I think most of us are in that camp right now, but I would argue that over the long run, commodity prices going up. So a lot of people that are all about the ESG, you know, the Greta Thornburg types or the Malthusian called it the World Economic Forum, what they're going to tell you is no, 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 no. The price of oil is going to zero. The price of coal or whatever it is, you know, these commodities are going to zero because we're going to transition into wind and solar and all of these other things. It might be a great idea, but what they're not telling you is if we do make this transition too quickly, if that's, if that is brought about by something other than free market forces, What's going to happen is that's going to lower the standard of living for people in places like Colombia, in places like South America. And I think it's going to be a tough sell for people like Thomas and people like Adriana, where you say, hey, listen, guys, I, I wish you'd just do me a favor. And uh, if you could just make sure that your child's living standard is lower than yours, then uh, that would be awesome. And you'd be doing that for the greater good. It's all part of the Great Reset Agenda. My name is Klaus Schwab, and just trust me on this one. And so that, that's going to be difficult. And that's why I think that the demand side of the equation isn't going to go down as much as people think. But the supply side is definitely going to be constrained because of lack of investment. And that means price up, price higher over the long term. So let's go over some charts, and then we're going to come back and hear Adriana and Thomas's personal story. And I think this is going to help you really connect the dots. So first and foremost, let's look at this chart of world energy consumption going back to 1820. So the bottom shaded area, biofuels, well, that's things like lumber, cow dung, etc. And you can see that now in 2023 or 2015 or whenever this chart was done, um, in the last, let's say, decade, we actually are using more biofuels than we did in the 1800s when that was, let's say, 95% of the energy that we had available to us. 
Same thing for coal, same thing for oil, same thing for nat gas. Now, the good news is we've layered on hydro and nuclear and all these things that have great potential and wind and solar would be in there as well. But we never use less of the last energy source. And then I'd like to go to this next chart where we see, this is actually in the visual capitalists and they're pointing out the US share of global GDP, but that's not what I wanna focus on. I wanna focus on the overall GDP. And this goes back to 1960. So look at this chart. What does this look like? This looks exactly like this chart. Why? Because energy is the economy. In order for us to have economic growth, in order for Thomas's kids and Adriana's kids to have a better life than they had, we need to use more energy. Bottom line, end of story. And historically, you never use less. You, we could layer on more energy sources, and I think that would be fantastic. Who's not in favor of that? But you're always going to have a consistent demand. Demand is never going to just fall off uh, a cliff for these other sources of energy, if history is any teacher. Okay, so why is that? Why, why is demand not going to just completely plummet for all energy sources, right? Or assuming uh, fossil fuels or something like that. And it boils down to the actual story, the real story behind Thomas and Adriana. So here, hear me out. This is where I'm going with this. Thomas, when you first started working for me, this was 2019, how were you getting back and forth to work? All on a bus, bus a and metro system. So yeah. public, tra this was public yeah. transportation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. had to, I, I wasn't that, that much uh, away from the, from, from the place we were working around, but I will get two buses to get there and two buses to, to, to go back. Right. So how long did that take you to get back and forth to work? <laughs> That'll be uh, in the morning. Because it's not only the the, the uh, get in the bus, get it's there. Traffic. It's, yeah, it's the traffic. It's the line of people you have to wait to get in inside the buses. So it'll be around a bit less than two hours, maybe an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, morning and in the evening. evening okay. After. And so then now now you had your your son back. You don't have to say his name or anything or his age, but uh, at the time. You know, your your son was uh, on this planet. <laughs> he had been born already, my point. And so this resulted in you spending a lot less time with your family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you started to make a little, and at the time you were working a lot, but you were working as a contractor, so you didn't have a steady gig. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so when you started working for me, now all of a sudden you had this steady income. So what was one of the first things that you did? My, my scooter, my little scooter. Uh, so I bought a, a little more motorcycle and I'll, I'll go out of my home, take my wife to, to her job, and then I'll go back to, to my job with you. Right. So you bought a scooter. So you went from walking to public transportation and then you went and bought a scooter, which yeah. requires more energy, right? And what is your what are your future plans? Oh, um, if, if, if I can get it an SUV, if not, uh, uh, an automobile. Okay. So the next step is maybe a car, but ideally 
would be a small SUV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you hear this, guys? This is what I'm talking about. We go from walking, we go from public transportation, we go to scooter, we go to car, we go to truck or SUV. See, and Thomas is obviously doing this because he's trying to improve his standard of living. So it takes him less and less time. He's got more options. He can take his family up to the countryside or do whatever, and then hopefully provide a better standard of living for his young child. And so each step in that process requires more energy use. So even if you were to come out and say, okay, from now on, the energy use in the United States is going to be capped at whatever it is. Canada, all of these developed economies, we're going to cap the energy use at whatever it is right now. Or we're even going to decrease it. That's fine. No problem. But people like Thomas, and he represents you know 50 million Colombians here, they want to improve their standard of living. And the only way that they can do that is by consuming more energy. And it's not electricity energy, unfortunately, right now. That is means more using more fossil fuels, using uh, more fossil fuels in your scooter or your car or your truck. Hey, guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let's go over to Adriana here for a moment. Excuse me. Now, Adriana, you uh, are married and now you have two kids and I don't know how many dogs and a cat. I forgot about that. Uh, two cats. Two cats. <laughs> well, the first interesting thing about Adriana is she is Venezuelan and she fled Venezuela as a result of the hyperinflation. So this is someone that has real life experience in what it's like to see prices go up by, I don't know, what was it, Adrian, 100% per month? More? 100% per Price day. Per day. Like if you went to the market and you see a price, the next day will be the double. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you've got real life experience with that. And that's what prompted you to, because you wanted a better life for yourself and and your your family so you came out to medellin because you saw an economy that was doing well and when you guys first came out here uh did you have a car did you have a vehicle no we use metro public transport transportation okay and your your husband his name is ali and we were talking about this earlier uh he his whole entire generation and his family no one had ever owned a car is that correct Correct. 
the only person in his family that had ever owned a car, which was the, 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 uh, the generation prior to him, was his uncle. That was it. So in his, the, all the kids and the cousins and the stepchildren or whatever the heck, they were, nobody had ever, ever owned a car. And so then they come here. So same story as Thomas. They wanted a better life. Uh, they were taking public transportation. Uh, you guys found jobs. You had a steady income. You've been working for me since uh, 2020, I believe. So yes. what did you guys do as soon as you could? Buy a car. You bought a car, right? It uses a, a lot more energy. And let's go back to where you were living. So when you first got to Medellin, how big was the apartment that you had? Well, before I before I knew you, we were living in the north of the city. Uh, we got a really small space because, well, as an immigrant, it was hard to find job. So we were living basically uh, in our savings from our savings. And after I got a, a first job, we got first first jobs. We moved to Sonata, but it was really in a hill. So we took like to go into your to the office. It was like one hour, 15 minutes. Like I had to take two buses and then the metro and it was a nightmare. So but well, how the, big was the apartment? Uh, 50 square meters, which... 50 square meters. So for those of you guys who aren't familiar with, with meters, that would be roughly 500, 550 square feet. And how many beds and bathrooms was it? Three rooms and two bathrooms, but the rooms oh, okay. were like. Okay. So, <laughs> let, all right. So let, let's think about that guys. Uh, three bedroom, two bathroom and basically 500 square feet. That's what she was working with there. And she uh, is her, her husband. Her young son, which uh, can be loud at times, and and I'm sure you had, did. You have a dog back then, or a cat? Cat, a cat. Okay, so they were crammed into this very very small space. So once they got their car, then the next step for them to improve their standard of living was to get a better a bigger place. Yeah. So now, Adriana, you're I think you're in your office of your new place, correct? Correct. Okay, and how big is your apartment now? 83 square meters. 83 square meters. So now we're talking about maybe 900 square feet. So you went from 500 square feet to 900 square feet. Uh, you got about the same uh, three and two. Uh, you got a little terrace, uh, but now you've got way more space than you had before for your growing family. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so you're... You're, you're improving your standard of living, but as a result, what are we doing here? We're consuming more commodities, right? Because how did that new apartment come into existence? It didn't just appear, right? We had to use more concrete. We had to use more steel. We had to use more copper. So, and, and Thomas, I'm assuming that maybe one of your future plans is to get a bigger uh, apartment or maybe even a house or something like that, and that would require more of these commodities. So you see where I'm going with this. It's when you actually understand how it works, when you actually talk to people that are trying to improve their standard of living, and in doing so, they're going to consume more and more and more commodities. You have that light bulb moment where you say, okay, if you're just stuck in the United States, 
then you just listen to the mainstream media over and over and over again. And if you listen to the mainstream media, it makes it sound like, you know, by in the next five years, we're going to stop using oil or we're going to stop using coal or lead or, uh, you know, something like that. We're going to stop using concrete. We're going to stop using steel. But then when you come down into an emerging market where people are, are not in a developed market, but they're not already driving SUVs, they don't all have a 2,000 square foot house, but they all want that. They all want that because they want a better lifestyle for themselves. And more importantly, they want a better standard of living for their kids. Go ahead, Thomas. Do you have something? Yeah, I started in, in this little, very, very small place, 40, uh, 42 square meters uh, apartment. Uh, then we, we came to a town nearby the city. We came to a place that it's 115 square meters. And now in this moment, we're building uh, a place with 140 square meters. So it is like this ascendance thing. Right. Great point. Adriana? Well, we are we are now planning to buy a SUV because the car got smaller. Now we are four. So, yeah, with the things that we tend to, to want more, more, a better quality of life. So, and that means energy, that means everything. Yeah, and all the components that go into that car. Let's not forget. Like, if you're driving a, a little teeny Chevy Spark, which is very popular here, uh, that's going to require a certain amount of steel and, and copper and all these other you know, rubber for the tires and whatnot. But if you're driving an SUV, which is what Adrian and Thomas want to buy because they have a growing family, just like Americans want an SUV. So there's no difference here, right? Uh, that's going to require a lot more of those components. It's going to require more chemicals. It's going to require more rubber, more steel, more uh, of, of, more of everything that goes into a car, even if it's a an electric car, it still is a bigger drain on commodities. So when you look at the global demand, you, you've got to consider the demand in the emerging markets in places like Asia, India, for heaven's sakes, uh, Africa, and places like Colombia and pretty much all of South America. These are, are, are places where the people are ascending they're going up and up and up and up. Even if in the United States, the standard of living has peaked out, or in Europe, or in Canada, or in Australia, the standard of living has peaked out, GDP not growing much. Therefore, you could, you could see how commodity usage might stay stagnant or even go down, but that doesn't represent the whole world. When you look at the entire world, you come to the conclusion that, wait a minute here, no, 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 no. Now, we might have a recession that reduces commodity use in the near term, but over the long run, demand for commodities is going to continue to grow substantially. But what we're doing and what we've done in the last 10 years is we've invested very little into the commodity space. Therefore, you're, see, you're going to see constricted supply, but you see demand staying the same, if not increasing globally, and that means a higher price. Now, this isn't investment advice. I'm not saying go out and buy commodities, nothing like that. I'm just giving you an example, a real life, two real life stories that represent why this argument that demand is going to completely plummet is, I think, completely misguided. So guys, do you have anything else to add? I sure appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories. 
Yeah, well, I would like to comment like what happens when you have like restrictions in 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 energy. For example, what when you try to force like uh, the people to use one type of energy and then try to eliminate the others, and the people is not completely uh, organized or prepared for that. Well, what happened in Venezuela was that the amount of people, like the po- the population, rise really high faster than than the government expected so the government didn't invest in in energy so with the demanding necessity of energy at the end we we had was power uh, shortage and lack of services lack of water so i think that because somehow they try to be like more green more clean and that was like the speech of the power of the, of the of the people in the power, but actually the the population, the the normal people, they uh, didn't have that. So at the end, we ended like buying our our own supplies machine. You joked me last time about that power plants. How do you say that? Yeah. So d- just to be clear, now did you flee Venezuela or did you flee California? <laughs> <laughs> And he did get the joke there. That she's basically describing exactly what they're doing in California right now. Well, that happened in 2017. In Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I sure appreciate your insights. Uh, Those stories are absolutely valuable because it really helps us connect the dots and understand better what we see in these charts. You know, you can look at this chart of GDP going up or commodities or whatever, and it just doesn't hit home as as much as looking at a chart and talking to people who are actually living what we're seeing represented in those charts. Yeah, Thomas. Yeah, w- way before I was working for you, I grew I grew up. Well, when I was a very little boy, I was in London, England. We came back. But we came back to a very poor uh, barrio in, in Medellin. Neighborhood, right. So uh, the, the ascendance comes from there. We, we're, we're in a place that like we're five different families living in a very small uh, uh, home. My, it's my, my grandfather's home. And there's an uncle with his family, another uncle with his family, me and my family like four or five families in in the same home yeah. and um that there's where the ascendance starts and there's no one i grew up with that wants to live like that over there right. <laughs> everyone wants to go up like i have a right. very very uh close friend that he's a music produ- producer and um he as well we started living over there and we we have been coming up, and we do not want to go back uh, to live like that. Never, right. ever. I, I don't want my kid to live live like that. We always yeah. are looking like ahead to grow more. And I as I expect my kid says he he's gonna be a millionaire. Uh, I expect him to be a millionaire. <laughs> I want him to be a millionaire. You see, yeah. so I, I I don't I I I don't know if I get to do that. But I surely do want my kid to to have the the knowledge to to get there and uh, live a very very uh, higher standard of living. That's right. That's human nature. 
It's just human nature. That's the way we're hardwired. We want to aspire for greater things. We want to improve our standard of living. Milton Friedman called it our lot in life. And we want uh, our kids to have an opportunity to improve on, on what we've done. And like I said, taking us back to the theme of the video, that means more energy and that means more commodities. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.